Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Hello, and welcome to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our lives. Today, I'm delighted to have someone on the phone who's a close friend who's going to be going by her first name only today, and so I'm pleased to introduce to you Jane. Welcome, Jane. Thank you for having me. I'm just kind of uh, curious and excited and uh, ready to share my thoughts. Cool. Well, I definitely picked you because you are curious, um, and I don't mean <laughs> as a person, but I mean your personality. You are curious and always inquiring, and that's the kind of guest I love to interview. So without missing a beat, let's get started with just a brief kind of introduction of your sense of identity. So I usually ask people um, how old you are, where you grew up, and what generation you belong to. Okay. I, I grew up in Arizona. I, I am a baby boomer. 75 years old, mother of three, grandmother of five. And uh, I guess that's always kind of been my identity. Uh, I've always been someone's uh, wife, mother, grandmother, whatever. And uh, now I'm trying to forge my own identity. Got it. So what changed that made it so that now you're trying to forge your own identity? Well, uh about four years ago, uh, my husband of over 53 years passed, and uh, so it's been a journey of learning to live alone, which I had never done before, so it's been a brand new experience, and uh, trying to find out what it is I, I really want to do and how to do it. Wow. Um, I would say awesome because I like the second half, but obviously what led to it is not awesome, so um, obviously we, the audience and myself, express our condolences. But since the subject of this interview is death itself, um, I'm curious, separate from your husband, uh, has your philosophy on death been consistent your whole life or has it ever changed? And what is your philosophy on death? No, I, I think it's been pretty consistent. I've never been afraid of death. Uh, I've always uh, felt that it is you know, of course, part of our life. And from the time we're born, uh, we're headed towards that end. Uh, None of us know how long it's going to be before we reach that. But I I do have a belief that there is something beyond this life. And so that uh, gives me hope and a sense of security, basically. Uh, recently, I did have uh, an experience. I guess you could call it a near-death experience. I didn't do the seeing the light and going, you know, going to the light, whatever. But uh, I was in a situation that I did have a heart attack and did have a uh, an artery that was 100% blocked, and uh, basically they call it the uh, the widow maker, okay, or widower maker, whichever you want, want to be. But during this whole process, even though it was, a, I guess, scary, not because it was just unknown, but I was never afraid. I felt like, all right, if this is the way things are going, then we'll find out what's, what's on the other side. And through the whole thing, I was very calm and they told me afterwards that was probably one of the reasons that I did so well is because I didn't have that anxiety 
and nervousness about it, that I was calm and accepting. Wow, that's that's really cool. Um, there's a lot of threads to pull on in that story, and I want to pull on almost all of them. So let me start with my most pressing question. Um, you said that you were calm and you weren't afraid and everything. What would someone be afraid of with death? Like, in your opinion, what is it that you think scares people? Well, I think if you don't have a, a faith or a belief that that there is something beyond this life, uh, I, I feel that uh, not well, an unknown, of course, is always a scary thing. But if you have a faith and a calmness about you and acceptance, I think that's what makes the difference. Got it. So and that's a great answer. Um, so do you belong to like a formal religion that gave you this faith and this confidence? You know, I, I used to and very faithfully went every Sunday and we did all the holidays and every that. But it's been years since I have uh, been in church. But the uh, teachings that I received, you know, as a child and into my middle adulthood have stuck with me. And I, uh, even though I am not uh, a, I don't want to say I'm not a practicing Christian because I, I do believe in the golden rule and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I do not attend church, but I still have the belief in God and the, the good of humanity. That's a, that's a really powerful answer. And I um, understand it. Um deeply because I think I've gone through something similar, but, um, I want to now, I'm going to try to do two things at once. I'm going to keep exploring your philosophy, but I also want to bring, um, your husband into it because I feel like that's where this should go and what would be appropriate to really help our listeners. So aside from the tragedy and the loss, um, which we might get into, what was it like for him to die? What was it like since you knew him and you loved him, I mean, I know you, you were very, very close. It wasn't like a, you know, a marriage that was getting stale and old. I mean, you guys were as thick as thieves and best friends. So I'm assuming he kind of confided in you and you talked to him a little bit. It was, uh, based on, you know, uh, a deep love and, uh, it began with a friendship that lasted, you know, throughout, throughout our marriage. When he became ill, uh, it was very apparent that it was terminal, and uh, we talked about uh, different things. And he had always grown up too, you know, uh, in in the church and and believed in God. And there was no fear uh, attached, you know, to his passing. Uh, we were able to talk about uh, what he wanted as far as a service, uh, you know, what he didn't want. And, uh, it was, was really, it was good because we were both, um, in a good place and calm about it. Of course, you know, it was very sad. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to let go of someone that has been your everything for so many years, but we knew that it was, was definite that this was happening. And, to try and, and uh, make the mess, you know, the best out of it. What happened is that before uh, his passing, uh, we did actually, uh, like three weeks before, got a different house and 
got moved in, and that was was his uh, gift to me. Uh, he wanted to make sure that I was in a, a safe environment, in a place where I didn't have to worry about uh, having to, the house, you know, to take anything, any repairs or anything like that. And uh, that was, was his mission. Uh, I, I am in this the home. Uh, he was only here with me like about maybe 10 days. And he did pass in the home. But I do not feel uh, death at all here. Uh, all I feel is uh, love and comfort. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Um, yeah, so I, I like the phrasing of like feeling death. Um, so a little bit more on that part like what um you you he was terminally diagnosed and you both knew it did he have the same sense of of death that you expressed earlier like with no fear no trepidation he just kind of went into it yes yes he did uh the thing when he uh was diagnosed and it was so clear that uh i knew that he he was diagnosed in um, November, and I, I knew that he was not going to make it to his birthday, which was in March. And he did pass two weeks to the day before his birthday. And, some, you know, I just knew that this was going to happen. And we, at first, we didn't really discuss it. You know, we sort of like, okay, I know this is happening. And he really was kind of like, you know, unclear what was, and then we finally were able to address it. Uh, he did want to do treatments, which we did until he decided that, nope, that was it. He was done and, and uh, wanted to come home, and we just went from there, and, um, you know, just I let everybody know that what was happening, and if they wanted to come visit, hey, you know, come on over and uh, talk about whatever you want to want to talk about. Uh, the one thing that's been uh, kind of difficult is that my, my children are, are adults and they really don't like to talk about death and uh, what comes afterward. But I have always been open and honest with them and told them, you know, anything questions they had, you know, I'd be more than happy to discuss things with them. What I have done is I have prepared them the best I can. I don't know when, you know, I'm going to go you know, today, tomorrow, 20 years, who knows. But I have prepared everything to the best of my ability. I have paid for all of the funeral expenses. I have left instructions, you know, what I want and, you know, all those kind of things uh, to try and make it easier, you know, for them. They have not wanted to talk a lot about their father. I mean, occasionally they will. But what I've been working on is a list to show to both the children and grandchildren things that they may not have known about their dad or grandpa, uh, things that happened throughout our lives, through in high school and just different fun things. And that, you know, someday that uh, when I'm gone, they will find this and, you know, hopefully it'll bring smiles to their faces. That's really cool. And I, I totally respect that. Um, and I have parents who are somewhat similar, not completely the same, but there's uh, definitely some things in common and it, it can scare me sometimes as their child. I don't want to hear about them dying. I don't want to think about them dying. I don't want to think about them passing. Meanwhile, my own opinion of my own death is like 
similar to yours. I have no fear of it. It's just something that will happen. So I guess what I want to know is at any point, and I am going to end this interview with talking to you about you, but I do want to finish up with one last question about your husband. Um, did his behavior change at all when he knew he was going to die? Did anything change like the way he treated people, the way he acted, the way he behaved? Not at all. Not at all. He was uh, still the same uh, calm person that he was. He talked to people uh, in the same manner. Uh, he was very matter-of-fact. When a sister uh, was talking to him and say, well, you know, they find new treatments every day and you can get through this and, you know, on and on and on. And he just quite bluntly says, well, no, this is terminal. I will get treatment to help ease things, but it is terminal. And he was always that way. You know, once he knew he was accepting of it and um, didn't change at all. He, The only thing he did, he was, um, well, and I wouldn't say he changed because he was always that way where he uh, was stoic. You know, mm -hmm. he didn't he didn't complain. And, uh, you know, we just went about and. Uh, he did as much as he could do and and uh, just never complained about it. Wow, that's that's really cool. And that's actually what I'm hoping to hear from every single guest I have who has a similar story. Um, so back to you and only you. Um, you. You say at the beginning of the podcast that you're 75 and you had a near-death experience very recently. And so you are not like getting the feeling you're going to die any day now, but you are certainly prepared for it. Um, you know, it's jokingly called the big sleep. So what do you think actually happens to the identity that is you when you pass? Well, I, I, what I envision is just uh, total peace and tranquility. And uh, I know there will be no more, you know, pain or suffering. And not that I have a lot of that now, but uh, I, that's what I just feel like. You know, it's just going to mm -hmm. be calm and serene. And I do believe that uh, I will be reunited with those that I that I love that have gone on before. Cool. And so do you um, do you believe I, I'm inferring from your answer, but I want to make sure it's clear to me and the audience. So you don't believe in like a moral system of punishment or reward after death? No, I believe that whatever punishments or consequences, I believe that we get those on Earth. <laughs> I think I share your philosophy a lot more than I would want to admit casually. Um, that's really interesting. So then with that in mind, with this theoretical function of how the universe works, the model we're building is that all of us get to go to a very peaceful place without pain or suffering um, after we die. But meanwhile, while we're here, there are immense consequences. So does that imply that you've had previous lives that are affecting this current life? I believe so. I believe that our souls have lived different lives. And I believe that uh, people come into our lives for a reason and for lessons for us. And I believe that uh, we are the same. Like I've had experiences, and I'm sure many people have, where you want to say it's a deja vu, or I can't even say that, I can't even talk today. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I mean. Yeah, it, deja vu. Yeah, and and uh, where something is familiar to us, but yet it, we don't know why. 
because it's like, well, I've not been here before, but yet on some level, you know, I believe that we have. I love that. And I'm fascinated by deja vu. Um, do you believe then your soul comes back and has more lives or does your soul rest with you? I, I believe that it is the same soul that just has different experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two grandchildren that uh, I believe are old souls. Mm-hmm. They're young, but they have uh, knowledge and experience beyond their years. And I just feel that's an affirmation that, um, you know, the souls, I, I guess for lack of a better word, reincarnate or regenerate, mm-hmm. you know, uh, again. Yeah. And I, I know I try to stay away from terms like karma, reincarnation, because they, they come loaded with like a real religion and philosophy, which is different from, I hear that you have your own philosophy that might dovetail and, and sit alongside many other different philosophies and religions, but it is unique. So with that in mind, um, did your, you said you used to be a regular, um, practitioner and you went to church every Sunday. So I'm assuming Christianity or Catholicism. Um, did you, when you stopped going to those services and you just morphed into the current version of philosophy that you have, did your behavior change at all? No, not at all. No, I still, um, you know, remain kind and uh, thoughtful of other people and other people's feelings and uh, just continued to um, do good and not to intentionally do harm to anyone or anything. So I asked this question to a different guest and I want to repeat it um, because we're kind of going, is there an intuitive system of ethics? Cause so you've said that there's no punishment, but you also have said that like the we use the word suffering, which I like, I think that's my favorite word to explain the downside of human life <laughs> is that there's suffering. Um, and it seems to be unanimous. It doesn't seem to escape anyone. So what is your, what is your system of ethics? Like what, how does that all work in? Well, I feel as far as, uh, you know, you just do the best that you can and to be kind with anyone. And I don't feel like, uh, as far as the, I was talking about before the, the suffering or agony, whatever we want to call it. I feel that on, on uh, we are always presented with challenges throughout our whole entire life. And it's how we respond to those challenges that makes a difference. We can accept uh, something as a, a threat or a challenge or, you know, go from there. But to always do the best you can and to always look for the good. I mean, without, you know, it sounds kind of hokey. I know it's like, well, you know, there's always good in somebody, but there is. And we have to approach life being heartfelt. And it's, it's going to sometimes cause us, you know, pain because we're going to be disappointed, but that's life. And that is one of the the lessons we learn. And hopefully 
from the lesson that, you know, we do better the next time. So, wow, I'm fascinated and I have so many more questions, um, but I am running short on time. We're not out, but um, I think what I want to ask you next is you were a loyal, dedicated partner with a loyal and dedicated partner. It was a two-way street and it was 54 years and then it very abruptly ended. I mean, within six months, I think you said, but what I want to know is what is the difference between a life of partnership and a life of without partnership? Well, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, but now I am finally in a place where I'm in, I, I'm a good, in a good place. And I have begun really to find happiness again, which I, for a long time, thought this is, you know, never going to gonna happen ever again. And for a time after he passed, I mean, I was lost. And uh, if I could have died, I would have. Uh, I didn't, but I, there again, I would never do anything to physically harm myself. So it's kind of like, mm, you know, yeah, what, do you, yeah. what do you do, you know, but uh, I had never lived alone, which was, you know, a new experience. Uh, I had always had a partner to share everything with someone that was my, my best friend in, in every way. And we always did everything together. And suddenly it's like, whoa, you know, I, I'm not, not going to do these things again. But slowly I have been able to start traveling again. I found a really good friend that, you know, we share the same values and outlooks and uh, just enjoy each other's company. And she and I have begun to take trips. It's like, oh, my goodness, this has opened up just a new beginning for me. And now the things that I used to look back at with sadness, now I look back with smiles and and happy that, oh my goodness, I remember that. And that was a good time. And for a long time, I dwelt on the, the sadness and the loss. And then, you know, I know that that's not the way that he would want me to live. He would want me to be happy and to have joy and to just go on and and do things, not just sit in my room and and cry and, and, you know, belabor the fact that I'm alone. Wow, that was so powerful and really uplifting. So I kind of want to end on that note, but I do want to ask you my final question, which is you've now listened to your own philosophy out loud in an interview. And uh, I'm hoping that maybe you learned something new about yourself, but for you, I'm actually going to ask the question a little differently. Um, you've lived almost two different lives and I know it's early in the second one, but with all the wisdom you've gained from these two different lives and what you just shared and about smiling and focus, what would you say is the meaning of life? If you had to like sum it up, how would you explain to someone? I would say that none of us know how long that we're going to be on this earth and enjoy every minute and just not, you know, look back on, you know, past things, just look forward and be happy, be kind and loving. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jane. You've been a spectacular guest, and I'm sure that this will be a very popular uh, episode. So thank you so much. Uh, Once again, you've been listening to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living. My name is Mike Oppenheim, and we'll see you soon. Walking along.